everybody from All Things SR Podcast. Leslie, how are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing well this beautiful Saturday morning, Pam. I've had a wild past 24 hours, but other than that, it's all good. How are you? Uh, Lack of sleep. Lack of sleep. (laughs) Well, I understand that. Keep the coffee flowing. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon and good evening, wherever you are and whenever you are listening. Uh Uh, It's good to be on the podcast. I'm so glad I see Ellie and Betty and I believe Elena and Shell, all of you in the podcast chat room. And this fine, mm-hmm. fine Saturday. We had a great time oh, yeah. last night, didn't we? Uh, yes, we did. Yes, we did. We uh, did all kinds of craziness. Yes, we did. From getting pocketbooks lost, and getting stuck on highways. <laughs> Yeah, so I wasn't gonna. I wasn't going to enthrall the our friends with my planes, trains, and automobiles disasters. Um, let's just say that I was happy to make it to see uh, our concert last night um, because mm-hmm. I had a project from work and it went late, and I was lucky enough to pull into while the concert was at intermission, so I could see the last half of Lorena. <laughs> <laughs> and in the interim, I believe I left my purse somewhere on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. So not not great. So I'm hopeful. I know where it is. I have a place to call and they have to check lost and found. So we hopefully I'll say a, say a prayer to say. Yes. Yes. Say oh, a prayer. All, p- prayers all the way around. It would be great. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And yes, Ashley said, did you ladies enjoy the music? Another chapter for Pam and for you, Leslie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, we did. So this morning's music that I brought to you is a a very new artist. Um, His name is Patrick SK. He's on Spotify. Uh, The title of the track was Moonstone. He uh, is, I think, probably about 25. He's from Bud Lake, New Jersey. And uh, I, I just, I found his music and I just thought it was really nice. And I was going to, uh, I was going to send a link down to Tusca and Passion Flicks because I know that they look for new artists like with Red mm-hmm. Carter. Just to help him along, to help him along. And also because he is the fiance of my cousin's daughter. I've never met him. He doesn't know who the hell I am. <laughs> it's just, you know, but I thought it was really good. So I thought it, I'd share that today. He is on Spotify. So if you ever want to check him out. He's only got like four or five songs out there. So, but he's good. Anyway. I think this is, yes, this is going to be Leslie's no, book. No, it's not going to be Leslie's Pam's book. book. Pam's Pam, Pam has... 
Pam's Pam's an Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> Pam has many volumes. I am but I am but a I am but a mention in Pam's book. Um, oh, but uh, not quite. Yeah, <laughs> a little more than that. <laughs> no, it was um, it was truly it was truly. D- despite how crazy my afternoon was because I had everything crazy going on from the rental car situation to things happening that Wi-Fi wasn't working and I had to go somewhere else and which delayed me even more with my project for work. And so it, it just was one of those snowballing kinds of uh, Snowballs of things, mm-hmm. but it in the end, hearing the beautiful music um, made it all the better. And I just felt so fortunate. I was telling Pam, it's been quite the um, within a period of one week, I went from seeing the incredibly fun, beautiful, and vibrant and just awesome party of the trilogy tour in Washington, DC, which you guys remember, I was uh, excited about heading to last Saturday um, to hear Pitbull, Enrique Iglesias and Ricky Martin. And the show was unbelievable. Uh, I had no idea. I did not realize it was the first stop on their tour. So they were all excited and the energy in in the Capital One Center was unreal. It was, it was sure. so much I'm fun. Sure. I'm so glad I wore my Converse because I was jumping and dancing for probably four hours. Enrique, when Enrique performed, we could sit mm-hmm. down and uh, take a little break because, you know, he's, his music is, well, there are some songs that you're really dancing to, but it's not the high energy um, of Pitbull and Ricky Martin. Um, That's you can true. kind of that sit and true. enjoy Enrique. Um, yes, Betty Fireball, he did. It was really, really fun. If you have a chance to go, I highly recommend it. It was almost four hours. Um, so be prepared. Uh, started at seven. Mm-hmm. They came out around seven thirty, and we got out of there. Actually, it was more than four hours. Cause I think we got out of there around midnight. Um, so it was, it was remarkable. So I, I went from hearing them and then <laughs> to Lorena McKenna. Um, oh, yeah, I, mean, I, well, I do have her set list. She played about 21 songs or so. And uh, she, Mummer's Dance was in the first set. She also did uh, 100 Wishes, Ages Past, Ages Hence. One song that was kind of unknown, it was a traditional Celtic song, because she's, she, she's a, a student of Celtic music, actually, and she, she's, she did a lot of investigating of the music in her, her development years. She went from trying to be a veterinarian to a street busker to a musician. and um, But she had the Manx of Air, Stolen Child, The Mummer's Dance, Lost Souls, Bonnie Swan's Never Ending Road, or, and I'm practicing my Gaelic now, Anran Dweet. Nice. And All Souls Night, Bonnie Porter, Between the Shadows, The Lady of Shalott, um, Green Sleeves, Tango to Evora, Courtyard Lullaby, The Old Ways, Cymbeline, and Dante, her encore was Dante's Prayer and Wild Mountain Time. And she said that whenever, when, when she was starting out and did um they would do like the folk group folk clubs that she would do in Winnipeg uh that every time and they're like song circles where all these musicians get together and just start playing and she would they would always end the show with the wild time so it was it was actually very beautiful it really it um, was it, every it was such gorgeous lush tones i mean it everything was her musicians the whole band their their mm-hmm. ensemble playing was unbelievable and it was just so so yeah, beautiful she, she had a bass player a cellist a violinist a 
a guitar player, and who also played the lute. Um, she had, uh, she played the piano and she also played the harp. Mm -hmm. And she she explained the harp in in the story where she listed all the different names. They've got some with pedals, and the one she has is like a beginner's harp, where they have the the, the thing the tabs along the top, which help get the notes and 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 tuning and stuff like that. And then she um, was going on through the history, and she says, now the oldest harp is at Trinity College in Dublin, Ireland. And that was Brian Baru, and Brian Baru is a is a uh, a some he he's a, was a real person, but he's also a, like a, a mythic creature in Celtic history and Irish history. And uh, she was so she was telling the story about uh, she apparently travels to Europe a lot, and she was in Ireland. And she when she goes, she goes to Shannon Airport, runs a car. And she was. She got her stuff. She's leaving the airport, and there's a man standing outside in a trench coat, and he's holding a skull in his hand. And she, it, this kind of intrigued her, and she went over to the man, and and he, she said, "Whose skull is that? Why are you holding a skull?" And he said, "Well, this is the skull of Brian Bradaru, and for twenty punt you can have it. And twenty punt is the was Irish." money before uh, Euro. And um, she's like, she, she said, what the heck? She grabbed it, she put it in a plastic bag, she put it in a car, she went around. She brought it home, she'd put it on the mantle and they'd discuss it or they she'd have it like in her kitchen on her kitchen table goofing around with it. And a year later she goes back and I just lost Leslie, so let me get her back. But a year later, she she goes back and um, the same man is outside. I'm back. And this time, you're back. So um, the same man is outside in the trench coat. And she goes over and she, he goes, she goes, I that's, that's interesting. And he's got this smaller skull in his hand and he says yes it's the skull of Brian Baru and for 20 punt you can have it and she said you may not remember me but I was here last year at this time and I bought Brian Baru's skull so he quickly changed his tune he says but this is his, his skull as a child <laughs> <laughs> I liked her storytelling um yeah, and her sharing. Good. I I wrote a com. I, I you know just to to wrap up our little discussion about the the show. And again, if you have the fortune of getting to see her, I highly recommend it. It was just yeah. so moving, and her music's so ethereal, and uh, it is. It's very it is. calming, um, and just uh, it's really. You, you can understand why so many people are drawn. I mean, and there, the fans there were, you, you can tell, I mean, people were clapping as soon as they heard the first few notes, like people knew what she was singing. There were people singing along. It was just, it was very joyful. Mm -hmm. And it was, and it was very I good. was, um, one of the final things she said after the performance, after the encores, as she was, winding down her comments and thanking everyone. Um, and Betty says, I don't know if I would ever buy a skull. I would hope it's a fake skull and not a real skull. I would hope so too, Betty. You uh, never know. You never know what's Irish, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but she said, the world is in a very delicate place and never underestimate the power of compassion and kindness. And I, I actually wrote Absolutely. the quote down because I was so taken with it. And it reminded me so much of SR, mm -hmm. her fellow countryman. So that's true. That is yeah. true. And so, but it was really good. And, her, you know, she, she just, she waxed on about Celtic history and how, it, you know, the Etruscans, there were a Celtic tribe within, within the Etruscans and, and in Mongolia and just all over the place. So being Celtic yeah. in my ancestry, I thought that was good. Although I sometimes like to say I've got Jewish ancestry. I feel like the movie Space <laughs> What are you? 
Druish. <laughs> anyway, I di- I digress. You digress. But it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have some uh, information from uh, some SR. news from her countrymen. I just <laughs> yes. Now I do I do know because <laughs> uh, he he tweeted this out this morning, which is interesting news uh, that he has uh, elicited um, gel to do some. Um, cover work. Ooh, shall we say? That's exciting news. He, he went. He 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 went no further than that, but just just an FYI. But he was also. He says he's pleased with the readers' reactions to Gabriel's redemption part two, and I think we'll hear more about the release of part three. But I've been told it will be before the end of the year, so stay tuned. Uh, also, if readers haven't subscribed yet to Passion Flicks, they can use the discount code GRPT2SR, the number 2SR. And as you know, he does get a little bit of a percentage on that, And uh, yeah, but it, it's not passed on to us. And finally, he's encouraging everyone to please pay, pray for peace in the Middle East. Um the release of hostages and the end of terrorism. So I know that this week, uh, I think it was on Tuesday, uh, the prelate of uh, Jerusalem, who's the head of the uh, Catholic Church in Jerusalem, had asked for a day of fasting and silence and maybe say a rosary and and, uh, possibly do adoration of the Eucharist if if, uh, possible. And I, I, I did do it. Um, I broke out my new rosaries from Boston rather than, I usually take my uncles, uh, that, who died in World War II that my grandfather gave me, but I did the new ones. And, um, it was a, it, it just a very calming, hopeful experience. So just an FYI. Well, I did take some encouragement that the first, uh, shipments of, supplies and relief um medical supplies was able to cross through from Egypt into Gaza this morning or this afternoon yeah i think was it the first 60 trucks the first 60 trucks i'm um, not sure the number but it, obviously they 20, need a lot more what, but whatever that, but yeah at least there's some uh-huh. some things started that they've been able to at least negotiate the beginnings of helping the people cuz really that's why we mm-hmm. want to just send our prayers and pray for peace. Um, Cause absolutely we're all part of the human family, you know? So mm-hmm. exactly. um, Betty is not ready for the next part. She does not think she can handle Paul and Allison kissing. <laughs> so <laughs> Betty, I know that's going to be pretty traumatic for you. Um, so We'll have to maybe practice some breathing exercises to calm you down during that period. Exactly. Think of yourself as your sister's birthing birthing coach for the blessednesses. (laughs) And breathe that way. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I am putting that discount discount code into the um, chat box if uh, you want to share that with people. And Elena says, we are here for you, Betty. So. Absolutely. Yes. We will lift you up. <laughs> One way or another. Exactly. Maybe with a flirtini or two. Or... Well, actually, I think it's a good segue into so, our chapter. Um, we are actually covering two absolutely. chapters today because chapter 20 really is a paragraph or, or so. Um, and we actually leave our overseas friends and are in one of my favorite cities in the U.S., Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minnesota, as they say. Minnesota. In the north. And um, Betty says, I'll need to be sedated for part three. (laughs) Oh, Betty. (laughs) We'll get through it. I know, Betty, I know a guy. (laughs) 
<laughs> and edibles are legal in New York. So. <laughs> well, I, um, you know, just we we had been, you know, wor working and reading through um, everything that happened in Oxford and everything that happened at the. Uh, you know, everything that went down at Catherine Picton's conference. And now SR moves us to Minnesota and to Paulina, you know, another, uh, another hurt soul. Um, <laughs> Elena just asked what chapter was that, Pam? <laughs> What the animals? the laughter says it all. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I was young and stupid once. So. <laughs> well, aren't we all? Um, mm -hmm. You know, and you know, this chapter is something you know we hadn't seen or heard about Paulina. I think at all yet in this book, if I'm remembering correctly, you guys, and of course, if I'm wrong, feel free to correct me, but it starts and she's writing. Um, her handwriting was bold and sophisticated, much like Paulina herself. She wrote with a Mont Blanc fountain pen with black ink and she was addressing envelopes and she wrote his address on a cream envelope she was so surprised that he was in the Cambridge phone book. She didn't expect to be able to find his address so easily. And as she looked at the envelope, she smiled. She knew he would be surprised. So uh, that actually kind of encapsulates the chapter. And we asked SR uh, about this chapter. Uh, in particular, we asked him a few things. We asked, how did he decide where to insert the Paulina chapter into the book? And if Gabriel, did Gabriel introduce Paulina to the fine writing instruments as she's using a Mont Blanc pen, or did she always admire them? So SR said that for Paulina, part of what I tried to do was balance a number of different storylines. And yes, I think her interest in fine pens was prompted by Gabriel. So, of course, a little insight. Well, you don't know. She was, you know, mm -hmm. she she came and was very, uh, you know, she did she did come into higher education with a very interesting background to begin with. So. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, Gabriel inspired her with the writing implements. And um, I found it interesting, too, he was balancing the different storylines. And I think we've had that discussion before about, you know, how he orders, what he thinks about, where things would fit best. And I thought it was kind mm -hmm. of interesting that he um, chose to contrast it from their time in Oxford. And then they cut scene to Paulina writing. To Minneapolis, yep. yeah. Yeah, and it, it's interesting the way he does that. And, and there were there were so many different storylines in this book. I, uh, I know that um, for a friend who has not read the books, who've only seen the film, the those cutaways like the Pauline and writing the note are kind of confusing for them. So I'm always willing to sit down and explain everything to the person. Yeah. Because I, I know she probably won't read the book, but that's enough. <laughs> anyway, well, and, and Betty knows. As I says, as a word that I have to get away from. Anyway. <laughs> it's a transition. It's a transitory word. That's okay. Um, yes, it is. I've got to look it up in the thesaurus so I can get a different <laughs> word. <laughs> Nevertheless. There you go. That, there um, you go. Mm -hmm. Betty said, of course she would write in a fountain pen. And she, Betty said, I discovered fountain pens from Scholastic's book sales back when I was in second or third grade. I wonder when the April discovered fountain pens. 
Wouldn't it be funny if he did the same thing, Betty? <laughs> then you two could have something in common. Absolutely. <laughs> um, now I had the I had the pleasure of teaching myself how to do the Palmer method in handwriting, and I was given a fountain pen to do it. Oh wow! Because yeah, I transitioned from schools, so where the school that I was came from, they hadn't started writing yet, and the school I went to, that's all they were doing. So it was, it got, I, I transitioned by printing and connecting <laughs> until I could get the whole thing. <laughs> but I was, I think it was my, my dad gave me the fountain pen. Aww. Um, as, as, and it wasn't, and, I mean, it was not a monthly. No. Did not have the little fancy daisy on the top. I think it was like a, you something you picked up at a drugstore. So yeah, but it's still as I you're learning, and, you know, becoming, hands. you know, that's a big step when you are in mm -hmm. grades and the lower grades to learn. Mm -hmm. I know they don't really do that anymore, but that was a big transition. Well, well, let me put it this way: between kindergarten and second grade, I was in three different schools in three yes. different states. I know. So there's other trans, uh, other um, other chapters for your book, Pam. <laughs> and I think it makes you who you are when you're going to different schools at a young age and reestablishing friendships. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Betty knows that Amazon sells disposable fountain pens. <laughs> well, Amazon sells almost everything, right? So. Oh my God! Yes, I do. <laughs> so we're leaving now the beautiful confines of Minnesota and going to the beautiful town of towns in Italy. Gabriel and Julia had said goodbye to Catherine and Paul as well as Oxford, and. In the chapter, they're reflecting uh, her last words with Paul were very awkward. And when they said goodbye, he held her tight and just a little longer than normal. And Julie had said that they were going to keep in touch. But Paul didn't respond to that at all. And uh, Gabriel kind of was watching this um, transpire. He actually distracted Catherine so Julie and Paul could have time to say goodbye. And Gabriel took no pleasure in Paul's discomfort. Um, he recognized and he knew this was going to be very difficult for both of them, um, even though Julia had no idea at this time. And Betty's saying, don't leave, Paul. Don't leave Paul off. Of course. Don't leave. And Monica said she actually did drawings and sketches with fountain pens. Ooh, Monica. Mm -hmm. That must have been wonderful. She, she says, I was spoiled. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, we did, we did that in our class, too. We, we um, did, uh, I remember having to go through one art class where we sat outside and we had to draw something in front of us without looking at the paper. <laughs> yeah. I drew a tree. <laughs> and then we had to go back with the India ink and draw, you know, sort of fill in what we had drawn. Mm -hmm. And then we did watercolors on top of that once the ink was dry. It was just, it was like a, a three class, four class project. Oh yeah. Oh. I love that. Multimedia. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the arts are everything um, but I digress yeah. I love that Shell goes finally <laughs> she says bye Paul <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of uh, the pens and the Gabriel's affinity to them Ellie noted my feeling is that the Clarks were comfortable but Gabriel's level of desire um, for fine things did not kick in until he got his inheritance from his birth father. Interesting. I think part of it, he, he, I, I do, I kind of agree with everything you said there, mm -hmm. but I also think he remembered being 
in need. Poor. And when, when you don't have fine things, it's something that you aspire to when often if you don't have things. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone's different, but I think for Gabriel, um, it also helped to establish that he uh, was able to overcome. Uh, mm -hmm. and so, Absolutely. So, I, and I, I mean, oh, go ahead. The family was was comfortable enough where they could afford to buy Julia a pair of Prada shoes, mm -hmm. and I, they're not cheap, right? You know, I mean, I remember when I was that age, if I my shoes cost me more than fifty dollars, I was in I was in horror. But so yeah, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I do think that the Clarks were upper middle class, right? So. Mm -hmm. And, and Ali made the good point, too. He had the fire to burn through that birthright money as fast as possible. Right, because he wanted to mm -hmm. just kind of get it out of his hands. And yeah, But in the meantime, was, the main reason was, for accepting the cash was to pay back the Clarks. He got a taste for fine Absolutely. things, though, a nice home, fancy, <laughs> fancy fucking pens that get sent to pen doctors, the fancy books, prices, <laughs> arts, et cetera. <laughs> mm -hmm. Ali, you're... I always, I always wondered if he ever smoked a pipe, if it was a meerschaum. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think he smokes a pipe. I think that. I don't think he does either, but it, <clears throat> uh, that would be a pipe that he would use. I don't know if, if anybody's ever seen a meerschaum, there are these finely carved pipe bowls that can run thousands of dollars mm -hmm. he did cigars, and they are beautiful but he said he did cigars and the pen doctors will always yeah, be know. funny um to show mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and you know going back to this uh embrace with paul and julia um shell said i will say again paul said i'll be your friend no matter what but then he disappeared and Betty also notes, but Paul is heartbroken. He needs time to heal. And Shell said, I do understand that, Betty, but that is not a Julia problem. That's really a Paul issue. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah. He's waiting for you, Betty. He's <laughs> waiting for you to heal his broken Shell heart. Shell notes that Julia was wishy-washy in her dealings. So, and regarding mm -hmm. the, regarding the, the, approach to Gabriel with fine things and trying to spend down his inheritance. He did talk about it in Rapture and Belize, floor noted. And mm -hmm. um, the cigars, uh, they do enjoy cigars. Gabriel, like oh, yeah. um, with Richard, Ellie notes, and she's sure some are from Cuba on the black market along with the Botticelli. Well, well, Ellie, you know, he was in Toronto, and you can buy Cuban cigars in Canada. Yeah, actually, you're right. Uh, Canada, anywhere except And I did. <laughs> I had gone to Quebec, and, and my, sis, my family, my sister, brother-in-law, and uncle, and I took a trip from Niagara Falls to Quebec. And when I was leaving work, every, all these guys came up to me and said, giving me money. Get me Cuban cigars. Get me Cuban cigars. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a box of Cuban cigars in Laval and put them in my suitcase and we went finishing up and we're traveling through um, a checkpoint outside, out, coming back into the States and my brother, we passed through. He says, do you have anything? Nobody said, I said, no. Everybody said, no because they would confiscate them at the, at the border. And um, when we got to the hotel we were staying in, and we were in Maine, we got to the hotel we were staying in, my brother-in-law said to me, didn't you bring Cuban cigars? I said, yes. He says, do you know <laughs> how much trouble we could have gotten into? I'm like, I would have just taken them. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie said, LOL, Canada does provide stuff we can easily um, get in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Probably at normal prices for Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with Cuban cigars. Yes. Um, Betty said, you know, he could always blow bubbles with the fancy pipes. Yes. And um, Now, you wouldn't want to do that with these meerschaums. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. 
And I think it's interesting that uh, Shell's comment came late about her Mixler being challenging. At least it came late through to me. Um, so I think we're having a little Mixler, little some little Mixler sniglets this morning. Yeah, they're forcing they're forcing people to update their apps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. LOL. Mm -hmm. Chapters 31 and 32. I had that same issue for the last update. She said. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's right. So we'll hold on for the ride. I'm glad you guys are persevering and joining us uh, as we go through that. And uh, so after their goodbyes in Oxford, Gabriel and Julia then headed to Rome. And that's where they celebrated Gabriel's birthday on July 17th with a private tour of the Vatican. Mm. There was, however, a lack of museum sex. And this part made me laugh so much because... Uh, the way, the way, it, was the written, way it was written. <laughs> it was almost like uh, snarky. Uh, joined us for a moment. Not even Gabriel was tempted to indulge Perens to Pam saying he never would have made it out of that circle in hell. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I remember a number of years ago, Betty, you made me remember this story too about the couple that went to St. Patrick's and had, had sex at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York Oh my City. gosh, I forgot about that. I can't. Yeah, and that's St. Patrick's. That's not even the Vatican. Yeah. Well, it is the Vatican Museum. It's not, you know, it's not <laughs> where they give yeah, masks, but, but still, it's on property. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, you know, I did give, it was a, a couple in a room in I'm sure that there's rooms that they rent out in Vatican City. That that would be different, but not in the Vatican. Nope. Right, right. Not even Gabriel would do that. Mm -hmm. Not even, nope. Um, Who wants to tempt that devil? And then after their time in Rome, they visited Assisi for a few days, where they said, they said prayers at St. Francis's tomb. They also prayed for each other and for their marriage, and for an eventual child. Juliet asked for wisdom and strength, and in Assisi, Gabriel asked for goodness and courage, and they both also prayed for Rachel and Aaron that God would bless them with a child. And as I look at um, the comments, uh, Betty's uh, talking about, back with uh, the Paul and Julia thread, she says, I think Paul would be a bad friend if he continued to talk to Julia and give her bad advice regarding her marital problems or speak ill of Gabriel. He needs to give her space to figure out things on her own, which, um, which I, I, I agree they need the space. I just think I, Julia needed to be more clear with him because we did ask Yassar about mm -hmm. Um, this point in terms of why didn't Julia understand that Paul was still in love with her. And SR said, I think Julia misses her friendship with Paul and was hopeful it could simply continue. She doesn't quite grasp the depth of his feelings. So, you know, Julia totally friend zoned Paul and, you know, Paul couldn't handle it anymore. So, um, yeah, it's it's something that they have to move yeah, it, past. Um, although Julia still at this point doesn't know where things are, she just knows things seemed a little awkward when they said goodbye. And you know, she I think she's actually clueless. I mean, she knew he tried to kiss her at his house before she went to Boston. But I think she's pretty much clueless as to how he actually mm -hmm. feels. I'll be honest about that. Well, so. He, she, she's not as I, I, Betty. You just were the. She just wrote what I was going to say. Julia was in denial. I mean, because let's be honest, he did more than just kiss her. He was very upfront. He said, "I have to give this a shot." You know, I'm putting my cards on the table. I love you. I want yep. to be with you. Um, and it wasn't that way for her. 
And Shell said he should have told her, been mm-hmm. a grown up about it. He did, but it was back a couple of years. I think he should have yeah. revisited it and said, look, you know, seeing you with him is, is very difficult for me. And I, you know, I want the best for you, but I have, you know, he, I, I'm, I'm really surprised he didn't talk to her in person um, instead of just leaving. Obviously, he should and, have talked to her after her lecture, not immediately, but before they left. I, I feel like that was a missed opportunity for him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And as Elena uh, pointed out that um, as brilliant as Julie is as a student, she's kind of ditzy in the relationship department. Yeah. And I think that's more of lack of experience. Yeah. Because she, she was always in when, as soon as she saw Gabriel, she was in love with him. And, and did, you know, nobody ever, not even Simon compared to him. So, right. As bad as Simon was. Yeah. Well, he wasn't bad at the, in the beginning. Right. So yeah, nobody ever, but th- that's a different, you know, uh, Floor noted, Floor noted that game. Gabriel even tells Julia in Redemption Part 2 that he couldn't be friends with her if uh, he lost her to Paul. He wouldn't have been able to be friends with her after mm-hmm. that. That if we right. can't be together, then I can't continue. Uh, something along those lines. And Betty said, if he told mm-hmm. her now, it might ruin her vacation. Um, yes. And, and he goes, Betty, Betty, you're, you're, your defense of Paul is in. <laughs> I don't, but Paul didn't even know that they were going to go on vacation. Do you know what I mean? I know. It, here's the thing. Yeah, that is never a good conversation to have at any point. And there's never going to be a good time yeah. ever for that kind of a, a conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that is very true. But, and it may have just been too much. And maybe for him, he also felt he would be able to communicate it better in a written word as opposed to verbal. Um, Elena says, I feel that if Paul was really the great friend, he says, then he could have been honest up front. And I agree with that. I, I think yeah, it's just hard, absolutely. you know, I, to Betty's point earlier in the whole conversation, he is heartbroken. And Shell, Shell noted he should have come clean and then he wouldn't have been so stressed. I think that's true. Um, if Gabriel couldn't be friends with Julia, if she was with someone else, then how is Paul expected to be friends? I think that was, I think that was the point they were conveying that, mm-hmm. um, but it's the idea that Paul was saying he's going to be there for her no matter what. And, but sometimes you evolve. Sometimes you have one position and as you go on, your feelings in your mind changes. That's true. That is true. Monica says, when something like that happens, I wouldn't put her against the wall. Paul is the one who needs to close the door on that chapter and then never speak about it again. Friends don't do that, she said. That is true. They need to take take their beat, you know, and just... And go for it, yeah. Move, move, move forward, close the door. Um, at least for now. I feel like distance and time mm-hmm. would change that. I could see them, I could see Paul having distance and then maybe down the road reestablishing, you know, um, more of a professional, cordial friendship. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I, you know, because let's be honest, it's a small community. They're going to see each other. It's Dante's list. Yeah. They, and so they've, they've got to have something to together that yeah. would help them out. But it's not like they're going to be, it's never going to be like it was when they were seeing each other day to day as students. It's, it's a very different dynamic. That's true. Much different. Um, Elena said, I don't so now think that we be expected to be friends with her, but he should have been more upfront and told her that. And Shell says he was freaking out mm-hmm. over sending the email and he could have not been so crazed. And Paul's, Betty says Paul's been a good person by not putting the pressure on Julia's shoulders. Um, I think he just doesn't want to hurt her. And that's true. You know, you don't want to hurt the people you love. And he, she do, he does love her. Yeah. And he doesn't want to hurt her. But 
you can't continue. But he still has to wake up and smell the coffee, as my old friend used to say. Exactly. You can't continue on. So. Well, so we're leaving the uh, Vatican Museum sex behind, or lack of. (laughs) And they've arrived at their house in Todi in the Umbrian village. Uh, It was the end of July. And the house is settled in Anasagreda. The house is nestled in between fruit trees and had a pool that was enclosed by a border of lavender and bushes and what have you. And and it perfumed the air. And uh, and Julia picked up a couple of sprigs of the lavender to put into the sheets. When she woke up the next morning, Gabriel was not in bed with her. And uh, she uh, reached over and and found a, a nice little note from him. And holding on, clutching onto his pillow at the same time because she could still smell the Aramis. Uh, There was a note. Good morning, darling. You're sleeping too peacefully to awaken. I've gone to Toadie to pick up a few things from the market. Call my cell if you need anything. Love, G. You're breathtaking. And on the bottom of the drawing of the note, there's a little sketch of her while she slept. And and he wrote underneath it, my Beatrice. Oh, such a beautiful place um, to be. So she, you know, she didn't feel like wearing clothes, so she just rummaged through the closet and found a shirt of Gabriel's, threw it on, and then went to get a pair of socks for her feet. Because, you know, those floors <laughs> are stone. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's July, August, or December. They're a little chilly. Having, having a... Uh, cement or not a cement uh, mm. a tile floor in the kitchen um you know she so she she puts the socks on and she hears the door from the kitchen and had gabriel yelling up to her good mo- saying she's home and she says she run down the stairs to the kitchen and he kisses her forehead as he's putting the bags on the counter and uh and then grabs both cheeks to and uh to and trapping her in his arms to, to give her a good morning and he asked if she slept well and which she did she was very well and and uh you know that more than she had in months like you know i can imagine getting ready for for the uh lecture plus she's had all the schoolwork, new house new marriage yada 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 um and so she pulled him close and she kissed his Adam's apple and he, she thanked him for the drawing and said that she didn't know he could draw. Gabriel said that he'd draw her with his finger if he could, which reminded her of the paint. Yeah. Grove, which sort of got her a little hot and bothered. <laughs> so he's told her that, you know, we'll see to that later. She she would remind him. Then Gable notices the socks. And uh, Julia said, well, our guy was sexy. And Gabriel said that she once had a friend that told her told him that the argyle is fabric of seduction. <laughs> if you knew how many, <laughs> how many how many times I've used that line with people. I know. And they all look at me as if I'm off the wall. Um, Elena said, I certainly now have a much and, better appreciation uh, for argyle socks. Anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, my mom used to make my dad argyle socks oh, all the time when she was a kid. Or when she was younger, I wasn't saying kid. The best socks, though, she she knitted them. I remember this because I, I, I was maybe about five or six at the time, but they were like, mm-hmm. they had beer steins on them. On the, you know, like she, like along the side, and she uh, got, uh, it was an Angora wool for the foam. And yeah, not a lot of it because it's expensive wool, but she she knitted that into it as well. And she said every time she washed the socks, the, the, the Angora would grow. So the, the, oh, the head of the beer got bigger and bigger. Anyway. <laughs> Yes, yes. So, um, she, you know, it, it, she plucked a grape and ate it. And tell, in the meantime, is telling him that she that he had strange <laughs> friends, 
and he's continuing to unpack the grocery and she's watching. It's like watching somebody she <laughs> asked me, which is a cool thing to do. And um, he said, you seem happy. And she says, Julie got up on the counter and started singing her feet and said, I am. I've got the most beautiful husband in the world that I'm sharing this great house with. The lecture went well. Um, they went to Rome and Assisi and had a great time. And that she was madly in love with her husband. And, uh, you know, she's the luckiest woman in the universe where Gable was saying, you know, the universe is not big enough. The people in the universe <laughs> might be upset about that. And uh, so she, then she calls him a nerd. And he grabs her and says, what did you call me? And she said, I can't. <laughs> so cute. I know. I know. I love those playful moments between them. So he, he raised his eyebrows and said, and grabs her leg and starts, you know, running his finger up and down her leg. And he goes, I never do this. And he's stroking the instep of her, of her uh, foot. I wonder how much of the erogenous zones that is our study for these scenes. He likes his research. Because they're, you know, the back of the mm -hmm. knees, he does his research, that's true. Um, so uh, he's toying with her leg and she needs to have new panties. And uh, they be, you know, he's, he's being more playful with her as he began and she's now breathing heavy. And she says, our nerds know, are not known for their lovemaking skills. So he, 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 you know, sticks his finger in her mouth and then takes the finger and goes up and down her thighs. And, He's accepting and her challenge if, right uh, there. Uh, a nerd would do this. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Floor loves the scene, by this. the way. It is a great <laughs> scene. It is a great scene. And... Uh, it reminds me of that first, you know, well, it reminds me when you, you know, like when I got, when I married Jim, the crazy things that we would do for each other. And it, you know, even not even the, I'm not talking necessarily about the sex part, although there was that too, but just the back and forth, you know, the mm -hmm. goofing around with each other, you know, it's like when I would, would be out with him and um, I'd have Patrick with me in the stroller or whatever. He, and he'd meet somebody on the street that I didn't know. He says, oh, I'd like you to meet um, my wife, Pam, and, and the son from her first marriage, Patrick. <laughs> Jim was my only marriage. So anyway, so then he, he nuzzled her thighs and his nose, letting her know that this was the right height. And I guess you really are the luckiest girl in the universe. And he went with his ministry. I thought they did a really... <laughs> lovely job um, of capturing the playfulness in the scene in the film. I, they really, I thought was, they I thought they, they did. did it just right. It was very, yeah. very sweet. Mm -hmm. It was sweet. So we, we asked playful Gabriel and Julie are fun to read, especially the teasing around about a nerd. Was it fun to write? And was the scene you wrote separately and then placed in the book or did it follow a linear path? And SR responded saying, I'm glad you enjoy the playful scenes. I think they were comfortable. Gabriel and Julia can relax and enjoy one another. And their inside jokes about, Gay about Argyle, et cetera, are part of the language of lovers. Yes, more insight from SR. And um, there's been so many comments in the chat. Um, uh, mm -hmm. the boss knows everything Betty says he must have Starting a doctor degree in all things related to the arts of seduction and um, <laughs> Monica says I can see SR testing the walls <laughs> for Ren's research <laughs> Monica I love that that is so great <laughs> it really is well I remember I, when doing the Florentine podcast Something was said about research, and and I, there was a I, I put it out uh, somewhere. I don't know whether it's we e we emailed them or it was on Twitter, but 
you know, he had this comment like research. Oh yeah. He likes his research. So like, like lemons from um, the mm -hmm. uh, fanfic days. Yes, we, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. We're so fortunate we did. There's been so many good comments. I could, sorry, I couldn't read all of them. Um, I know that there was some good additional discussion between, especially Ellie and Betty. No. Um, mm -hmm. Well, you know, because Ellie was like, I feel Paul had underplayed his feelings for so long, and Julia had tried to find feelings for him when she was trying to look away from Gabriel, mm -hmm. but hadn't been. But at friend uh, zone. Yeah. Paul, friend zoned by Paul while he was waiting in the wings and thinking she would eventually come around and, uh, you know, being so very heartbroken and hurt mm -hmm. with Julia and Gabriel's lies. And he also, she also felt Oblivious. that Julia is ob oblivious to why any man would be attracted to her due to her deep crush and then love for Gabriel, mistreatment of her self-esteem from childhood and Simon, etc. And she also really needed friends outside of Gabriel, so really had only Paul and Rachel. Uh, Ellie also thinks Paul thought that once he told Paul how he felt, uh, he expected her to see him as the cat that he thinks he is with a laughing emoji. And yes, Elena notes that Betty is such a Paul warrior and that she's such a great friend to Paul. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he, need, he needs his tears well, Betty, Betty, Betty. I would also get up there. Said, um, you know, uh, he, Paul did tell Julia he still has feelings for her when they saw each other at the lunch. And after lunch, they both looked uncomfortable. So why would Paul want to keep making her feel uncomfortable with their friendship when he can just tell that Julia doesn't feel the same way for him? Uh, but I, I, th I don't, th I personally don't think he did that to uh, relieve Julia. I think he did that to relieve yeah, himself. He, he's, he's, it's torture. It's, it's typical. I, 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 I think it was, right. And it's, it's not a good yeah, place to be. Yeah. And Shell notes friendship yeah. and romantic relationship are done not the same. A couple of Very different. Um, mm -hmm. And Ellie said, Paul had to tuck his tail and get separation from Julia. I think he was angry and truly shocked Julia married Gabriel so fast. Um, and again, he was not in the know of all that existed between them. And they had to keep others in the dark while she was still Gabriel's student. And also didn't owe anyone the big reveal of the relationship at all that exists between her and Gabriel. And I think that's, you know, I'm glad you raised that point because it's easy for us to forget that Paul is going on very limited information. He doesn't know the backstory. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know. Tortured when she was he doesn't 17. know the She doesn't know anything. anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been pretty, as Betty notes, love is a complex feeling and it can be the most beautiful thing or break someone's heart when it is unrequited. And that's very true. Absolutely. And regarding the, Absolutely. you know, regarding these, um, uh, regarding the playful scene, Flora said they jumped right into where we left off in Redemption One and it was lovely to see them just happy and in love. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Shell notes is, the browser history must be very interesting. I'm thinking for SOS research. <laughs> and, and not knowing the backstory is telling in itself. It's not his business. Um, Shell notes. No mm. one's, it's no one's business. And what Paul doesn't know hurts him, Betty said. And Ellie thought he was just brooding too much here. So, yeah, lots. You know, I think the, the point is there's a lot. There's that, a lot that goes into this. Humans are messy, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's we are. That's the bottom line, Absolutely. and that's why having these playful Absolutely. moments, having this fun, I think, was also really important for SR to incorporate um, at this point in the story. You know, reestablishing that new the you know the fact that they are newlyweds. You know. 
and they are they're in their their love cocoon and get that they are who wouldn't feel on top of the world or luckiest woman in the universe when you're in that beautiful setting with that beautiful husband of hers right mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah oh yeah and shall we know you're not hating on Paul just to hate. You just have strong opinions of how he's behaved. We get it. That is true. I, I don't true. interpret you as saying you hate him. No. And Anna would be able to give us all the uh, the breakdown psychologically. Yeah. yeah. It's just very irritating, she said, that Paul blames Gabriel for everything bad in his life. And Elena notes, I love this time on Saturday mornings and truly enjoy everyone's opinions. It is lots of fun. I agree. That's why it's so much fun. Absolutely. Um, and that's why I, I got drawn to the podcast to begin with when Betty and Perling were doing their uh, fan pod, Gabriel's series fan podcast. I loved mm -hmm. it because Betty and Perling approached it from such different perspectives. And that's why it's so great. And honestly, I always say this, but the power of the podcast is the chat room, being able to harness uh, people's opinions and share. It is lots of fun. It is a lot, lots yep. of fun. And, you know, we, we discuss so many things and go, go, different areas too which makes it even more yeah. interesting yeah sometimes. it's not just with the chapters too i like when we um dig into some of the locations or the backgrounds or different topics that are sr like i think it's a good it's, mm -hmm. it's a really good way to start our our weekend here on the east coast or have a nice stop in the middle of your saturday if you're over with monica in portugal mm -hmm. uh or even points further uh, if you're listening at any time um, in Australia, as we know some of our friends still do. So, still looking for the Antarctica. <laughs> if you know anybody going to the South Pole, just have them tune in for ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so good. Um, I'm just grateful for all of you. Oh, Monica says, I wish I could do more. I'm just glad you were able to join us today, Monica. It's, it's hard. Yeah. It's not always easy to make it on a Saturday, but. No. And with the time mm -hmm. difference and everything, it does make it, it, it is a little yeah. different. And I'm very thankful for all of you. I know we're a little bit over our time. Mm -hmm. Monica says she has many work Saturdays. We completely understand that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to leave us this morning with an oldie but goodie by the uh, Old Crow Medicine Show that was redone by Darius Rucker. I personally prefer the Old Crow show, uh, Medicine Show Wagon Wheel as opposed to Darius Rucker's, but that's okay. <laughs> that's just me. And also, I want to I want to uh, send prayers and love to Myra Ali's family. Uh, she passed away this week. Uh, we met her in Boston uh, at the premiere. She interviewed uh, Gabriel and Melanie and Tosca and some of the other actors. Uh, and uh, she was a journalist. As many know, she had uh, an incurable disease that was very painful for her. And uh, she always managed to do this with a smile on her face. And, and great joy. So rest in yes, peace. Yes, as Ashley noted, R.I.P. Rest in peace. Um, mm -hmm. And of so, course, hugs, prayers, our thoughts for everyone mm -hmm. who is struggling and suffering. Um, in the Middle East. Not just in the in Middle East, East. I mean everywhere. Ukraine everywhere, but in I, Africa, I, I mean, everybody forgets all right the now. conflicts and struggle on the continent of Africa uh, and the overthrows. Yes, and nobody yes. pays attention to it. So, just prayers for everyone. Just prayers, prayers go out to the world for peace. Yes. So. so we will go to the wagon wheel, and I want everybody to enjoy their week. We'll see you again next week, and. Uh, We'll be doing the uh, next chapter. Have a great day.
headed down south to the land of the pines. I'm thumbing my way.